Welcome, everyone, to the next episode in our Pokemon Analytics podcast. Now that the pilot has done decently well, the hyper-offense pilot episode, that being, that I covered yesterday, I figured I'll make this into an entire series. So, formally, welcome to the Pokemon Analytics podcast. I am Super Bad Cat, your host for this, and we're going to have a good time here. I plan for the first season to be going over some general concepts of Pokemon, and I figured after the pilot's hyper-offense focus, I should go to the other extreme of playstyles for noting this concept. So today, we're going to be talking about stall. Now, from a Pokemon perspective, what is stall? Well, in order to truly comprehend that, I'll be using this metaphor, analogy. Pokemon has a win condition and a lose condition. The win condition is make all of your opponent's Pokemon faint. The lose condition is to have all of your Pokemon faint. Hyper Offense Team's entire goal is to win because they are centered around a high-octane offense, delivered fast, delivered quickly, delivered in a powerful manner. On the flip side, stall is a strategy bent on not ever losing, making it so that they, the opponent is incapable of winning because the team itself can't really crack. So. What does this mean in terms of concrete examples? Because we need to talk about those. Many stall teams function based off of walls, which are Pokemon designed to take hits for days while not exactly dishing things out very well. Walls typically will also move second in a singles battle, at least. So notable examples of walls in the popular format are things like Toxapex, Ferrothorn, Clefable, Chansey, Blissey, although to an extent this only applies to certain Clefable variants, but those are generally what you will see as pinnacles of the walling playstyle. However, Stall is not completely bent on the usage of walls. They also utilize other tactics such as entry hazards, healing themselves, notably, and residual damage is a very big factor. Stall teams don't tend to dish out very much damage, and if they do have a damage-dealing member on them, it's usually just the one, and the rest of the team is backing that member up defensively. Since stall teams don't do very much direct damage, they have to rely on indirect damage to slowly whittle down the opponent. These, this sort of indirect damage is most frequently seen through Will-O-Wisp, Toxic, some set damage attacks such as Seismic Toss and Nightshade, but most importantly, Entry Hazards, Spikes, Stealth Rock, Toxic Spikes to an extent, but that's just more of the status condition residual damage trope. So that is what stall teams focus on. So how do stall teams play? In the hands of a capable trainer, or a very, or a trainer well versed in how stall plays, theoretically, 
Stahl is incapable of losing a game. In practice, however, this becomes much harder to facilitate. Stahl has a multitude of issues because it is incredibly prone to specific things, notably taunt. Taunt is a very powerful status move against stall teams because most of what the stall team is going to do isn't necessarily attacking. It's going to be switching between walls, setting up entry hazards, trying to remove them through rapid spin or defog. It's going to be recovering their own HP with recovery moves, laying down residual damage conditions in Toxic and Will-O-Wisp. Not very often will you see a stall team attack things in a literal sense, which is why Taunt is so valuable against it. Taunt prevents the targeted Pokemon for the next couple of turns from being able to use non-damaging moves. Since we previously discussed, stall teams usually will move second in a singles battle, getting Taunt off on them isn't exactly a tricky task. However, even better than Taunt for breaking stall is Trick. Trick, frequently in conjunction with a choice item, will lock a very bulky Pokemon that likes to switch moves into one specific thing, meaning it can either deal damage, or it can heal itself off, or it can spread residual damage, but it has to switch out directly after doing so. Additionally, tricking a choice item onto a wall will remove an item that it usually relies on for its success. In terms of something like Toxifex or Ferrothorn, this could be a Black Sludge or a Leftovers. In terms of Chansey, this could be an Eviolite. Whatever is really the case for those specific teams. However, there's one more factor of stall that I haven't really mentioned. Those few offensive members that are sometimes found on hard stall teams. Notably, this one offensive member, the one that isn't a wall, is a trapper. Most of the time, this trapper will end up as either Gothitelle or Dugtrio, because the entire premise of having a trapper on a stall team is to eliminate specific Pokemon that are deemed as threatening. Most of Dugtrio's role on stall teams is to eliminate things that don't care about Toxic, or the shenanigans that stall teams are throwing out, or it's a pesky taunter that the team doesn't want to have to deal with anymore. This could be things like Tapu Lele, Heatran, or Tapu Koko, miscellaneous other stall breakers. And trappers are important to stall teams because since they don't dish out much damage, they don't directly threaten the opponent. So the non-stall player is capable of taking the game at their pace and more or less trying to pivot around the stall team. Stall turns Pokemon into less of a two-player game and more of a one-player game, specifically played by the non-stall player. Because now, stall, the entire stall matchup becomes essentially one against an AI, looking to, at all costs, preserve what they have. That is what stall teams are. They are about preservation. And frequently, 
preservation means that they have to have a trapper to come in and eliminate something that is troubling them, like the previously mentioned Heatran, Tabulele, Tabucoco, things of that sort. I know I didn't exactly list many specific Pokemon in my previous episode about Hyper Offense, but that is because Hyper Offense has a wider range of Pokemon that are capable of fitting on it. It generally devolves to any fast, powerful wall breaker that can easily be like that. On such a topic, there is a notable difference in Pokemon between a wall breaker and a stall breaker. A wall breaker is something like, usually a setup Pokemon, something like Shell Smash Mega Blastoise, or just even a standard Mega Gardevoir, Mega Medicham, something of that sort. Wall breakers use extremely destructive power, whether through setup or immediacy, to break down walls just straight up. On the other hand, a stall breaker takes the game a little bit slower using the stall team's own weapons against them, frequently through things like Taunt, Trick, we've previously mentioned these, but also it could devolve into laying up hazards of one's own while rendering opponents incapable of truly capitalizing on that. Because, as I've mentioned before, stall teams don't dish out a lot of damage, they don't threaten the opposition directly. Stall opponents are capable of taking their time, because stall slows the game down effectively to a crawl. Meaning every turn, not much progress is going to be made, but it requires a long-term mindset from both players. While in hyper-offense, the matchup becomes a game of sacrifices, where each player will need to plan out their moves in a sort of smaller chess game. Pokemon is, to an extent, a chess game in any sense, but in the stall matchup, you always have to be thinking many steps ahead of the opponent. Because, for lack of better phrasing, that is how stall teams work. They slow the game down, they allow each player to truly think about what actions are necessary. My apologies. I am I'm not a stall player. I'm attempting to go through this through less of deliberate experience and more of objective analysis. So we've talked briefly on how to beat stall teams. But how have stall evolved? Wait no, that isn't exactly a good question. See, this is a period that is just like stall. I am dragging out one point for much longer than it normally should be dragged out. While in the hyper-offense episode, I was going through it quickly, symbolic of hyper-offense's quick pace and capability to turn directions on a dime. Stall is considerably slower. So now, if the stall matchup banks so heavily on things that are capable of being taunted, things that are walls, potentially these trappers, what else truly is there? What does a stall versus stall war 
look like? While in the hyper-offensive sense, a hyper-offense team facing down another hyper-offense team will make the game absolutely blitz through. They will both attempt to outrun each other at every corner. Switching is going to be far less prevalent, and you will rarely find a HO versus HO game that lasts more than 15 or 20 turns. In the stall matchup, games will last significantly longer. And this reminds me, actually. I spoke previously of boosting, but quite a lot of stall teams have weapons against that. Whether that be Haze on Toxapex, or in the more common sense, Unaware. Unaware is an incredible ability for stall teams because it gives them a deliberate blanket check to anything attempting to boost. Whether this be Clefable, Quagsire, or the very rare Pukamuku, the capability of a Pokemon to completely ignore the boosts of the opposition is something that a remarkable amount of stall teams appreciate. Else, a simple booster could lay up a Swords Dance or two, maybe a Nasty Plot, Calm Mind, Dragon Dance, whatever suits your fancy, and simply begin to run train. This is a classic failing of stall teams and why they require an unaware wall, because they don't exactly have any specific means of preventing this setup. They have their residual damage, but substitutes come along and ruin all of that. I should talk about substitutes next, because stall teams, as previously mentioned, don't dish out a lot of damage frequently rely on residual damage for success and enjoy their trapper being able to come in once, click one attack, and the threat to the stall team is neutralized. As such, substitute does very well. Leech seeds from Pokemon like Ferrothorn are completely blocked Scald from bulkier water types are incapable of burning through the substitute. Toxic doesn't go through. Taunt doesn't go through. The only way for substitutes to be removed is through deliberately attacking them through seismic toss, nightshade, whatever. Although most competent substitute Pokemon will have their HP stat reach the magical number of 404, meaning this is slightly less effective. What is so important about the HP number of 404? In the creation of a substitute, this means that your substitute's health will have 25% of 404, or 101. This means that one seismic toss will not break the substitute. The number of 404 can be hit by a base 100 stat being fully invested, or having slightly less investment as the HP stat grows. No, there is a formula for this, which I do not remember it exactly, but for each base point of HP that a Pokemon has, there will be two greater to the maximum of the HP stat. Actually, it's dawning on me now. A Pokemon's HP maximum, when fully invested in EVs, will be two times their base stat, and then adding 204. Given how EVs work, since 4 EVs will equal 1 point at level 100, this will be 
2 times the base stat plus the EVs divided by 4 plus 141. This math formula was made through observation. If you can observe mute mu and Vaporeon. Mu has an HP stat of base stat of 100, capping out at a maximum of 404. Vaporeon's HP stat is 130, capping out at 464. Since they have a 30 base point difference and a 60 final point difference, that creates the formula. EVs, yada, yada, yada. My apologies. I'm getting very off topic. Substitute is, is very good at forcing stall team's options because the specific thing Substitute does is force a phasing move out of the stall team. Phasing moves are things, are attacks, or frequently passive moves that force the opponent to switch out. You'll find these in Roar, Whirlwind, Circle Throw, Dragon Tail. The latter two are incapable of forcing the opponent to switch through a substitute, so it's frankly just Roar or Whirlwind in that regard. The stall team requires one of those two in order to reliably beat substitute Pokemon. So if the substitute Pokemon has tools to destroy whatever the stall team has designated as their phaser, which is usually something like Skarmory, then the stall team can potentially be in a lot of trouble. What about other means of trying to break stall? What about setting up hazards? Many stall teams, at least on the latter side of things, will end up running Mega Sableye for its magic bounce ability, being able to bounce back many a thing, such as Whirlwind, Roar, those two were previously mentioned, it can bounce back Taunt, Entry Hazards, Toxic, nearly every status move that can target an opponent, Magic Bounce can bounce back. Mega Sableye is thus extremely important to stall teams, not just because of its ability, but because of its good typing, it blocks Rapid Spin, and it has Recover for reliable recovery, it can dish out Will-O-Wisps of its own, and even knock off to remove opposing leftovers, choice items, etc. Speaking of choice items, this reminds me of another thing. I talked earlier about the unaware walls using their ability to ignore boosted threats. But for threats with more immediacy, things like Mega Metacham or Mega Gardevoir, I'm going to use Mega Metacham in this instance because its power with its pure power ability is frankly ridiculous. Mega Metacham has very good odds to completely crush many stall-oriented teams because of the sheer amount of strength it brings that the stall team is incapable of truly mitigating. All the stall team can do is potentially try to burn it or attempt to put it on a timer, although both of these strategies don't always work out. The most common thing on stall teams capable of burning opponents is Toxapex, which does not want to chance a Zen Headabut. Phasing it with Skarmory has potential, but then again, it still hit incredibly hard, even through the defense stat. Adamant Mega Metacham's final attack stat caps out at, I believe the number is 656. Yes, 656. That is after the ability. 
That is the highest unboosted attack stat, unboosted by a choice item, in the entirety of Pokemon. And raw attack and special attack stats like these can perform additional feats through the use of choice band and choice scarf. I touched on these items briefly in my last episode, but whilst choice scarf is the bane of many a hyper offense team, choice band and choice specs are the bane of many a stall team. Because these allow Pokemon to upgrade their immediacy in threat level to astronomical heights that are frequently that frequently stall teams with their lack of threatening actual damage are incapable of truly doing or threatening. My apologies. Notable users of choice items. Most choice banders or choice specs users out there are capable of using that damage boost, which is notably unaffected by unaware. Unaware does not ignore the boost from a choice item. The choice items simply upgrade the attack or special attack stat, respectively, for the choice band and choice specs. It's just an upgrade. There is no ability for the stall team to take it out or try to wall it with unaware, with their respective unaware Pokemon. So they have to simply try to absorb the power. To an extent, Choice Specs Tapu Lele's existence is half the reason why many stall teams actually end up sacrificing the talents of Mega Sableye for those of Mega Agron. Because Agron does not have to chance anything against Tapu Lele. It can simply come in and proceed to wall it through steel typing, resistances, good special defense, and the like. So, that is mainly hard stall. But there are, of course, variants of stall. Some stall teams forego Mega Sableye, as, free, as previously touched on. They could use other Megas, such as Agron, or other bulkier styles. It really depends on the player choice to decide what Mega they want to use on the team, if they even want to use one at all. There are also stall teams that don't focus on being hard stall. You can have your obligatory Toxapex, Ferrothorn, Chansey, Clefable, Dugtrio core, but from there, the last Pokemon, you can potentially have more offense. You can even have just two members of a six Pokemon team be of a stall-oriented nature. And this entails that it's more of an offensive team that uses these two Pokemon as a backbone to support the offense. Although, by all technicalities, there can be... I'm going to classify it as... I'm going to classify the stall teams through the following dynamic, just for the next few minutes. I'm going to classify these first through numbers of straight-up walls, then through numbers of more offensive Pokemon. There can be 5-1 stall teams, which is most of what you see with the one offensive Pokemon being Dugtrio. Sometimes Dugtrio doesn't count as a full-out offensive Pokemon, so technically these are 5-0 stall teams. But I digress. You could have 5-1 stall teams, you can have 4-2 stall teams. You don't typically 
see many players delve into the realm of a 3-3 stall team, as then the team becomes significantly more offensive than stall-oriented. There is also the prospect of running a stall style known as semi-stall, which was frequented considerably in past generations. These semi-stall teams were defined by pretty decent walls, as well as Pokemon like Choice Scarf Tyranitar or Wish, or Wish Protect Jirachi. Because now they have, they still retain the walling capabilities of a stall, a very defensive team, but with a little bit more offense to go with them. This is the whole 4-2 sort of style I was talking about. That is what semi-stall potentially is. Although to an extent, semi-stall can also be made by the usage of slower on the bulkier side, but nonetheless capable of throwing out attacks. Pokemon such as the Nidoqueen, I believe I touched on last week. So that is essentially what Stall is. Stall is a very scary force to see in the team builder because Stall, when seeing a team that looks of the stalling nature in team preview, a player must immediately prepare themselves for the absolute ordeal that is coming next because the stall matchup will always end up as a dance between the two players as the one who is attempting to counter the stall will have their measures to attempt to check it through attempts such as trying to lay up stealth rock, attempting to taunt things, attempting to use even more niche strategies such as soak plus toxic or toxic plus worry seed. Those have potential because they are capable of wearing down specific stall team answers. And in all honesty, a very good way to beat stall teams is by forcing out a specific member and having two Pokemon that really do it. Allow me to provide an example of this, or my apologies. If there are two Pokemon on a team that must be checked by the same member, one of those two Pokemon can lure out the member, attempt to chip down the member, attempt to tip down the wall, and then the follow-up Pokemon is capable of taking advantage of the fact that such a Pokemon is at low health. Case in point, I'm going to use Toxapex versus a core of Tapu Bulu and Keldia. Now, with the new DLC additions, notably Tapu Bulu gaining high horsepower, this isn't as much of a thing, but I'm going to use it as a descriptor anyway. Choice Band Tapu Bulu is incredibly good at breaking stall because of the sheer power it has with its grassy terrain boosted wood hammers and the recovery it gains through its grassy terrain alongside potential horn leech. Superpower terrifies Ferrothorn, so more frequently than not, a member such as Toxpex is forced to have to chance fighting Tapu Bulu like this. And if Tapu Bulu is capable of chipping Toxpex down, 
then Keldeo can take advantage of that lower health range to break a hole in the stall team. Stall teams are most prone to falling prey to a sort of domino effect, where if one Pokemon that was determined to check an important threat goes down, that can lead to catastrophic dominoes falling, where that Pokemon that was supposed to be walled by the important wall, such as in this case Toxapex, now is free to reign absolute terror on the opposition. I'll use the previous Clefable, Chansey, Ferrothorn, Toxapex core and make an assumption such as this. Mega Deancey, specifically a post-DLC Mega Deancey, because now it has, or even pre-DLC, my apologies. Let's say this Mega Deancey is carrying Moonblast, Diamond Storm, Earth Power, and Hidden Power Fire. It frequently will not have the raw capability to push past Toxapex because of how Toxapex can take Earth Powers admirably. But once Toxapex goes down, there is a severe capability for Mega Deancey to sweep the rest of the team because of its mixed attacking potential and immediate power on both sides of the spectrum. My apologies if this wasn't exactly a fair analysis of stall teams in general. I am not a stall player, as I've previously stated. This was more so going off of objective analysis. And to an extent, since stall is not as viable in the draft league settings that I play in due to its often relying on very specific members, which have a typical time getting paired together on the same team, there is less experience that I have in facing stall than the more widely accepted hyper offense. Nonetheless, thank you for listening to episode two of Pokemon Analytics. Hopefully, you all will join me in later episodes. Thank you.